Coming up on today's show, we got Tom Brady willing to do anything to avoid that family vacation. We can always count on the Tom Brady ridiculous headline to keep the conversation going. He is in that Mount Rushmore of athletes per sport. And college kids are getting paid too. Good. Why do we let the coaches do that? Why do we let administrators do that? Like, why are these rules different for the players that don't have a voice because they're younger than everybody else? And don't think that that's a rookie's jack squat. That's how the NFL works. You have to fend off the guys coming for your spot, and you also got to be chasing the guys ahead of you. All of that and much, much more coming up on another Oscar award-winning podcast, The Tom and Hawk Football Show. Let's get into it. What's up, everybody? I'm Andrew Hawkins, and welcome to the world-famous Tom and Hawk Football Show, presented by the awesome folks over at Amazon Music. Joined, as always, by my partner in crime in here, Joe Thomas. How you doing today, brother? Yes! The manna from heaven came from Fox Sports in the context of Tom Brady signing a $375 billion trillion gazillion dollar contract to be <laughs> the Murdoch's personal trophy man-wife. And I am so excited that we have something to talk about today in the dead period in the NFL, because literally everything exciting about the NFL offseason is behind us, and we got nothing to talk about but boring things that are happening with Andrew and his family. <laughs> All right, so Tom Brady reportedly signed a 10-year, $375 million contract to become the Fox lead NFL analyst after he retires from his very, very long and storied NFL career as a quarterback. Yes, those numbers are legit. They are much higher than his total on the field contract money while he was an NFL player, which I believe I'd seen was $322 million over the course of 20 years or so. So, Joe, what are your thoughts here, man? I, I have I have a bunch of stuff we're going in. We've heard a bunch of conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. Our producer, which admittedly is not the biggest Tom Brady fan, has been <laughs> always thinks the most ridiculousness. But give me your thoughts, man. Yeah, first of all, I think it's important that everybody out there understands that. We're not hating on the guy. Like, I am so happy for him because as analysts ourselves – all it does is, is raises the bar for everybody. It says that there is a far-off galaxy out there that the Fox Sports team is willing to pay people that do a good job, supposedly, <laughs> over $100 million on contract because they really think that former players have that big of an influence on the ratings. <laughs> and I'm not exactly sure if that's true, but <laughs> the bottom line is I thought that this was a big surprise when it came out because – typically a a star on his level. Like he's the goat in football and he's one of the biggest celebrities in the world. You know, he's up there with uh, Messier, LeBron, guys of that caliber. Mm -hmm. And for him to go into the booth and take the criticism that guys that have to do color or get to do color take is a little bit surprising to me. Now, I understand that there is a price for everything and for everyone. So when you say I'm not going to do it, that just means... I'm not willing to do it for the price that they're offering. So clearly that when somebody offers $375 million for 22 weekends out of the year, that changes things a little bit. But still, for a guy like Brady, you would think that after making more than that during his NFL career, he would be pretty happy to just kind of maybe do some of the things that he likes that don't have anything to do with being in the booth or watching football practices and football games. I love I love this take because this is one of the few moments where the thing that makes us different shines and rains through mm. because I could not disagree <laughs> more. So your take oh, is that because you. he's already made so much, why keep working? And my take is No, 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 no. Why work without flexibility? He's already made what? 300 plus million. His wife's worth at least that. So he's worth, let's just say, assuming he's made, you know, decent investments, he's worth half a billion dollars, right? So he can perceivably buy anything in the entire world except for an NFL franchise or like a 400-foot yacht with two helicopters, right? So there's really nothing that he doesn't have access to from a financial standpoint 
that he can't already do right now. So you would think that he would want to enjoy some of the fruits of the labor, still work, but work with flexibility. And when you're working in the caller analyst role, you don't have flexibility. You can't say, ah, you know what? There's a really great golf tournament I'd love to play in that weekend in, in uh, November. So why don't we play that NFL game maybe in March when I have a little bit more free time? Like you give up your freedom and your free time to be able to take this job, which it's a lot of money. Let's not forget, but he's already made a lot of money. So it's not really changing his life from a financial point at all right now by taking that job. It is changing his life. That's what I'm saying. It, we are, we could not be on further ends of the spectrum with this. You're saying okay. he has no flexibility. The rest of us, including myself in America, are saying he's working 22 weekends out of the year for $40 million. He has five days a week throughout the football season and the entire offseason. It gets paid $40 million. I don't know of any other job in America that is as flexible as that now you're saying he also made a lot of money that is very 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 true but there are some people that just like to work it's just who we are i am one of those people i like to work i'm not working because i am forced to i like building shit i like doing new stuff i like conquering other people's dreams to say hmm that was fun i never thought i'd win an oscar that was cool what do i want what am i going to do next now i don't have tom brady money and I'm sure when I do, that conversation will be a little different. But I actually get that A, Tom Brady is doing it because $40 million for two days out of the week for 22 weeks is a really, really incredible rate. He did not make that much money playing in football. He actually is getting paid double for probably maybe 10% of the work and energy. And will he suck? I don't think he'll suck. I mean, I, there's not a person on planet Earth that I think knows more football than Tom. And so... I think he's confident. I think he's good in front of a camera. I think he'll be pretty good. Now, there's going to be people who talk trash on the internet. That's what the internet is for. <laughs> That's what Al Gore invented it for, right? <laughs> That's what, that was trash. Al Gore's ultimate dream. Yeah, he was like, man, it'd be great if we could just talk shit about each other somewhere. This would be perfect. <laughs> we need a place just to make other people feel bad about themselves. Mm -hmm. The internet. Um, Fox Sports gets Tom Brady, who is, to your point, it's the offseason. There's nothing to talk about. Tom Brady has kept the lights on in the NFL for a very long time in these moments. Anytime there's something down, like we can always count on the Tom Brady ridiculous headline to keep the conversation going. He is in that Mount Rushmore of athletes per sport. So if, if somebody has the chance to get LeBron, it would likely cost more than what they're paying Tom Brady. But if someone has a chance to get LeBron in the booth, they're going to do that because the guy has literally been synonymous with the sport for 20 years, the same as Tom Brady. So let's break it down into two categories, right? One is the first category. Right. Does Tom Brady doing the game influence the number of people that tune in and watch? Yes. I'm going to argue no, which, mm. or I'm going to argue it's inconsequential. Like if my team is playing, I'm watching no matter who is doing the game. If my team isn't playing and I'm not interested in the two teams that are playing, I probably am not going to just listen in to listen to what Tom Brady has to say because Yes, in private, we've heard, and you've been in the locker room with him, so maybe you can lean in a little bit more, but we've heard that a lot of his teammates say, you know, he's really witty, he's funny, he'll talk trash, like he's got some good personality. We just haven't seen it all that much in the media. Now, contrast that with a guy like Peyton Manning, who that's what we've seen from him his entire career. He does such a good job of being critical and sort of threading the needle in a funny and entertaining way that people are tuning into the Manning cast on mm -hmm. ESPN just to listen to him. And I'm not sure that Tom Brady has shown us that he can do that yet. Can he work into that role and become that type of a person? Maybe, but uh, that's a big risk to be able to put on top of a maybe. Yeah, no, Tom Brady is funny. He, I, I don't know if he's Peyton Manning funny yet, but I, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say he's going to be fantastic really? in that role. That's, like that's literally fantastic. And also... If me and you were quarterbacks, if we were legendary quarterbacks over the last 20 years, I would definitely be the Tom Brady and you would definitely be the Peyton Manning because I'll take that. Tom Brady, I feel like is seeing the bigger picture. I see this so clearly. I when he retired, before I knew anything, we have tape of this. I don't know if we can roll it right now, but before I knew anything, when he retired, the question we had on the show was what's he going to do next? So, what do you think is and next if you're going to speculate? What's next for Tom Brady? Because he's poured everything he has, all of his energy and all of his time into being the best quarterback yeah. of all time. Tom Brady does his retirement letter and he doesn't mention yeah. New England, the Patriots, the Kraft family, 
or Bill Belichick once. I don't know. There's something brewing. I don't know what it is. I think he'll eventually mm. be an NFL owner. It'll probably happen sooner than you expect. Mm. Um, I don't think he's going to go into coaching. He's not going to go into front office. He doesn't have the mindset that he wants to work for somebody. He wants to make his own money and he wants to be a boss. I said, he is a business guy. He wants to conquer the world. He wants to own a team. I said that. Months, months later, it came out that he was literally doing that retirement for a play to own the Miami Dolphins. I had zero information, zero insight. I could just read tea leaves. So when I see Tom Brady take this, everyone is like, oh, man, what is this job? He is not doing this just for this job. This is a stepping stone to wherever. He could turn himself into the new Madden. He's probably going to use it to finagle his way into ownership of uh, networks with Fox because to get someone of that caliber, you don't just do cash deals, right? Like LeBron doesn't do just cash deals. Like cash is nothing to LeBron. LeBron needs equity. LeBron needs shares. He needs other opportunities. He needs things flowing through businesses that he owns. And that's how every like high level, the David Beckhams, the, the, the LeBron James, the Tom Brady, that's how they do business. And so what you're seeing on the surface, you're right. It does help Fox. Because now other talent, it's like, man, I want to be there. Everyone's going to be watching Fox, right? It does. It has done that so far and probably will continue to do so. But behind there, there, trust me, there is so many other parts of this deal that are outside of that. I mean, he owns an NFT company, Autograph, that's worth a billion plus dollars. There's probably things around that. And I can promise you, if he does stay for 10 years or he leaves after five, mm. it is going to be probably four times as big of an overall deal than what we're seeing on paper. So I think he's going to do a really good job analyzing the football that goes on the field. I think he's going to be very interesting for guys like you and I who are really curious to see things through a quarterback's eyes and have him open mm -hmm. up parts of the game that maybe we didn't think about, the strategy side of it. That's really good. But when I compare him to maybe a guy like Sean McVay, who is another coach, another person that was you know essentially on the football field last year who had talked about going right into the booth this offseason – I think that McVeigh would have done a better job being more interesting what? and funny and engaging because that's his personality and that's what he's developed throughout his career as a coach. He's a lot younger. Yeah, he's I get it. But 17 years old. What he is, it doesn't matter how old he is, but what he's done throughout his entire career has developed his personality, being engaging and captivating an audience and being a fantastic communicator, being funny. Like that's your role as a head coach. And that's why head coaches typically do such a great job in an analyst role. And that's why I think. Peyton's role was a lot like being a head coach and you saw his personality all the time. You saw it in commercials and we just haven't seen that from Tom. And I'm not saying he wouldn't be able to work into it, but my question is like, is Tom willing to go through several years to kind of learn to craft and to mold that part of his personality to going out there and willing to take that criticism on social media over and over again when you're already so fucking rich it doesn't really matter the money that's coming into your bank account that is flowing from this 375 million dollar deal but um it's just to me it'll be great but will the common fan tune in because they think tom brady is entertaining i don't know i think that remains to be seen I would argue that the Manning cast isn't that entertaining. It's incredible insight from Peyton Manning, who, again, knows football better than 99.99999% of the people on planet Earth. Sean McVay in that category. Tom Brady in that category. The three minds that I would probably say I would want to hear, maybe Belichick. Now, Belichick, he doesn't communicate, and he'd probably be even a lot better than people realize, but he doesn't communicate in an entertaining way. He's very dry, but he's very funny. Tom Brady is funny. Tom Brady is one of the guys. Tom, There's no way that Tom Brady could be friends with Gronk if Tom Brady isn't a fun hang, period. That's number one. Yeah, there's no doubt. But like we're talking about that as if that is unique to Tom Brady. Like there's a lot of guys in the NFL that are a fun hang. There's a lot of guys who are elite quarterbacks. Now, nobody's had the career that Tom has had. Nobody's anywhere near Tom. It's going to not matter in five years or 10 years. Like the further away he is from the football field, the less it matters what his resume was. And the more it matters what he's doing when the cameras are on every single week. Like <laughs> I look at the job that Drew Brees did on NBC Sports. I thought in the beginning it was really rough. It was kind of hard to listen to. And then mm -hmm. he warmed up and he became good and interesting. And I thought he did a nice job by the end of the season. But NBC's already looking to break ties with him because it didn't have 
the ripple effect that they had hoped having a guy like Drew Brees. Now, Tom Brady's in a different stratosphere, of course, from a career standpoint uh-huh. and potentially maybe how he sees the football field. I don't know if if him or Drew Brees are smarter on the football field or if it even matters. Like in the end, what you're trying to do is you're trying to entertain people. You're communicating to them. And it's really I think he's going to do a good job. But is he going to do a 37 million dollar a year good job like with this contract fox has raised the bar so high that he can do a really good job and people are going to say hey there's still a lot to be desired because the bar is twice as high as we've ever seen before and you were talking about john madden like john madden really didn't wow us with his x's and o's he just had this passion and this energy this exuberance that was able to cross all sorts of boundaries. And it didn't matter if you were a huge football fan or not a football fan at all. You enjoyed sitting there and watching because it felt like you were sitting there with your buddies at the bar and you were listening to somebody who had maybe a little bit more insight than you did. And it was entertaining. Now, Tom Brady, I think he'll definitely be entertaining. But I think the thing that I'm trying to get to is that he'll do a nice job. But the reason that this deal makes sense for Fox is because these elite top of their game former players that are going to work for these organizations have become more of a trophy employee than what they're going to do and the eyeballs that they're going to bring to the broadcast on Sunday. Fox says this makes sense because when we're meeting with the NFL, when we're meeting with potential sponsors, when we're meeting with other partners and Tom Brady steps into that meeting room, it changes the dynamic. It changes the leverage and the power. And that's why we want Tom Brady on our side. It doesn't really matter what he does on Sundays and what he does when he's in the booth. Yeah, we think he's going to do a great job. I think he's going to do a good job. Is he going to be entertaining enough for the people that are critical of what the contract was? I don't know about that. But when there's so much money to go around amongst these NFL broadcast partners and within the NFL, they're looking for ways to spend this money and to be able to spend it on a guy like Tom Brady and have that feather in your cap, that trophy employee. That's what matters to them. So that's the win. That's a win. I think Tom Brady is going to be great. I I agree. So maybe we agree more than we expect. It's clear you have such a like, I don't want to say a bias against Tom Brady. We know how you feel about the Patriots. Oh, man. It's you. I hate the Patriots. I hate Tom Brady, but I also love him because I respect so much the commitment and the dedication that he's had to himself and his sport and what he's done for the quarterback position. But he beat my ass so many times. I really have a hard time getting over that. It it is really tough for you because I know you went through those games like this is the time and it never boiled down to that but listen it was never the time (laughs) i thought it was the time but it was never the time so yes john madden was incredible he essentially created the position right like in the way that we know Mm -hmm. of it today because he was so passionate it was a great hang but i mean who can you say has been more passionate about football than tom brady who could you say for you to say that sean mcveigh you're right knows X's and O's more than Tom Brady? No, that's not my point because the level of X's and O's that most quarterbacks know is even way above every other player that played in the NFL. Like, And then there's most quarterbacks and then there's Tom Brady. Like, It's irrelevant knowledge. It's like taking me to a physics lecture and the difference between like a regular physics teacher in high school and like the greatest physicist on earth. It doesn't matter because they're going to be talking so far over my head. It doesn't, it doesn't make a difference. Like I want to be entertained when I'm tuning in on Sundays. I want to be informed and entertained. There's no doubt he can inform. There's no doubt that he can entertain because he is witty. He is humorous. But is he that humorous and that witty that he's really going to change and move the needle on the number of people that watch? I don't know. Remains to be seen. I think he's both humorous and entertaining. But honestly, I don't think he needs to be because that doesn't need to be his formula. Tony Romo, Mm. people love Tony Romo because Tony Romo was giving just very basic for quarterback standards, very basic indicators of what was coming into play because every offense runs the same thing. And when you've seen it a couple times, there's a couple variations. Or if you run a couple plays, we know what's coming next in the the process and pipeline. And because of that, people loved it. It wasn't that Tony Romo was the most – his jokes are corny, but he knows football and he calls it out early and it was something they hadn't seen. So Tom Brady's level of knowledge of football is even that much more than Tony Romo. You literally can't put him on a playing field. That's true. anybody else and i think his formula for that even if he wasn't entertaining and humorous which he is and he will be even if his formula was just that people would tune in because they want to get behind the brain of the guy who is the best nfl football player 
and most decorated NFL football player who has sustained the most amount of excellence on a football field in the history of the game. Last thing I'll say, Mm. everybody's formula of what's quote-unquote entertaining, where guys mess up in media, where guys mess up in calling games, is that they're not comfortable in those situations because they're trying to think and figure out what everybody else wants, right? They don't have their own take. There's guys that you know that you talk to them face-to-face. They're entertaining. They are funny. They're witty. And you put a camera in front of them and they shrivel up, right? Because they're like, the expectations get to you. It's the same Mm -hmm. thing with acting. Like, that's the same thing. You're not a good actor if you're thinking about what people are thinking about you. Mm -hmm. I think Tom Brady is at a level where he does not give a shit what people think. And whatever he comes in there and says is what's going to, what he's going to say. He's not going to be trying to be entertaining. He's just going to call it how he sees it. And I feel like people are going to love it, a la Pat McAfee, which is why Pat McAfee is such a goat in the media game. Because he just comes in. He's himself. He doesn't give a shit what people think. He just says what he says, does it how he does it. He does it different because it's him and it works. And I think that's what Tom Brady is going to do. Shout out to Pat McAfee. Shout out to Pat Mac. Shout out to the Tomahawk Show, which launched... Pat McAfee's career, uh, no big deal. <laughs> I'm going to stick with that one. Just, just re- uh, to your point re- about re- Pat, Pat McAfee, yeah, to your point, he does a great job, but he's got that background in comedy. Like He was a comedian when he was uh, playing in the NFL for the Colts, and he actually ruffled some feathers because he wasn't afraid to call out uh, teammates and uh, management and things like that a little bit in a funny way, kind of like Peyton Manning does. He is critical without criticizing and making people too defensive. And it remains to be seen if Brady will be able to do that. But to your point about Tony Romo, we don't really hear him predicting things anymore because I think he was getting it wrong a little bit more than he was. But when you go to the Friday practices, you're kind of seeing what they're doing in certain situations. And usually, you know, you get down to third and three from the three yard line there's going to be probably only two or three plays you're going to run, and they're probably pretty generic as far as right. NFL plays go. So if you've been a quarterback for long enough, you know, like, okay, it's one of these three things, and as soon as you see the formation, you probably have a pretty good idea. It's one of two things, and then you're going to guess like, oh, look, the safety's over there, and this is a pretty good matchup. They're probably going over here. Um, but either way, I think what makes Tony Romo a really good broadcaster and what makes him fun for everybody is a lot of the same things that made Madden such a great broadcaster is because – he has a great joy that comes across through the screen for what he's doing and for the game of football. And I think if Brady wants to be very successful, he needs to find a way to show that joy, that exuberance, that childlike fun that I don't think we really have seen because he's always been such a cutthroat competitor. He's too busy winning Super Bowls. That's true. And (laughs) you can't be a Super Bowl winner like him and Bill Belichick as many times as they have having fun and doing it like that. You have to be cutthroat. You have to be very serious. And he's done a great job of that. And now he's going to have to transition to learning a new gig. Because like you mentioned, he knows more about football than let's just say any other player in NFL history. Now that may be a slight exaggeration. Peyton Manning may have a, a little bit of a say to it, but I think that's pretty safe to at least say, you know, he probably knows at least as much, if not more than any other football player in history. But with that being said, when you're in the broadcast booth, you got like 30 seconds to be able to say something and to be clear and concise before the play by play guy has to jump back in and has to go back to the next play. And that's going to be a skill that he's going to need to learn. And uh, he's going to have to commit some time to it. And I'm not exactly sure if 10 years of doing that is something that he wants to do. I don't know. But the Uh, question that I have for you is Tom Brady has always talked about he doesn't want to have a farewell tour. And this is something that, you know, I thought a little bit about during my career. I never wanted to be the guy like Roethlisberger saying, this is my last season so that everywhere you go, you're getting questions about you and it becomes about you rather than the team. Now with this new deal that Tom Brady has signed, there's a lot of speculation that this is his last season because people are saying, you know what? He wouldn't have done this deal with Fox right now if he wasn't going to walk away after this season. So does this go against a little bit of what Tom Brady said where he doesn't ever want to make it about him and he always wants to make it about the team, which is part of the reason he's the greatest of all time because he's always made it about the team. Are we embarking on a Tom Brady farewell tour? Name a player who's earned a farewell tour more than Tom Brady. We're not saying he hasn't earned it, but his comments have always been, I don't want a farewell tour because I never want it about me. So it seems like if this is his farewell tour. I wish I could just instantly pull up quotes from you 
when you were a player early oh, in your yeah. career. So contradictory. I love it. <laughs> it just, <laughs> you'd be like, but you said it, this right here. Like if this yeah. was a, uh, uh, some type of a court battle, like you'd be right. like, well, you said in 2007, <laughs> this, and then now you saying this, look at you, you idiot. Talking heads are for people who have no juice and you shouldn't listen to them. This is what you said. <laughs> About X, yep. you know, yeah, no, I wish I could mm-hmm. pull that up right now because I do think that is what Tom Brady A is supposed to say as a quarterback, yeah, of course. B, what he believed at one point, yeah, no it was about the team until we realized that the team is Tom Brady. <laughs> until he was able to get away from Bill Belichick and be like, no, no, this really is about me. Hey, I'm the reason. Let's end this <laughs> yes. debate forever. It was not Bill, it was me. What is the team? The team is Tom Brady, as illustrated by them saying, no, there's no way in hell. We're letting you out of your contract. If you're going to play, you're going to play here because we don't have a chance without you. We don't have a chance in hell without you, Tom Brady. So him making it about himself is making it about the team. But it will be cool to see. And I think hopefully the young guys, young people don't care. So I want to see them taunt him on his way out (laughs) just to see how he handles it. If he's just like old man river, he's just if he rolls with the punches. Do you think he's worth it? Do you think he's worth the three hundred and seventy five million over the course of 10 years? Yes, if he's doing a lot of the behind the scenes stuff that we talked about, almost acting as an equity partner for Fox, which I think that the 375 million was not cash like you talked about with LeBron. I'm going to guess that if this contract ever becomes public, which it probably won't because it's not like NFL players, like these are not things that get posted to the union website for everybody uh-huh. to see. Like these are private matters between Fox Sports, his agent and him. And the only time that gets leaked is when Tom Brady and his agent want to prove like, look how good we did, $375 million. But I think there's definitely got to be a huge equity component in this. And therefore, that will encourage Tom to be involved a lot in the meetings with the partners and the sponsors and all those big deals that go down between the NFL and Fox sports, he's going to be there. He's going to be in the room. He's going to be trying to curry leverage so that they get a better deal. Rule of thumb. If someone's willing to pay it, that's the value, right? No, that, that, that is the value. Like I I took real estate for a little while in college uh, before I moved on to bigger and better football things. (laughs) Uh, But there's three ways to value stuff. And the most important way is what is somebody willing to pay? And Fox sports was willing to pay him this much. So good for him. Good for Fox Sports. They feel like it's a good value. It's a win-win. God bless capitalism. God, God, give it up. Everyone give it up for capitalism. Give it up Goodness for capitalism gracious. and making Tom Brady extremely rich. Love her. Yes. More money. More, more money, more money, more money. I'm curious to dive a little deeper on what your thoughts are about NIL. And also there's a report that I think the NCAA, the no fun entity of America is like, oh no, we can't have adults making what they should make off of their own talents. Do you think this is getting out of hand? I've heard people tell me that this is not going to be good for the players. So I'm curious to hear what you think. All right, as far as NIL, I'm with you, man. If there's somebody out there that's willing to pay me as a college athlete who is working for the NCAA university that I'm playing for uh, to make them hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars to make my coaches tens of millions of dollars, and if there's somebody out there that's willing to pay me two, three, four million dollars to go and do something for the university or something for that company or whatever it is, like, who is the NCAA to step in and say, well, that's too much money. Like we want you to be able to make whatever you're worth and to be able to own your likeness and your brand and your time and to be able to use it however you want to make money, but just not that much money because that's too much. Like I I thought it was really funny. I, I listened to some of this conversation on sports talk radio this week, and I was listening to some of the bigger national people and they had that take, Oh, this is getting out of hand. $3 million for this guy and a million dollars for this guy. And, and I looked up their salary and these dudes were making like six, seven, $8 million <laughs> talking about the sport that these dudes are playing. And I'm sense. thinking, why is your salary not out of hand with the guy that's putting his body on the line every single week, going and trying to play and entertain 80 to 100,000 people in the stands and then another 5 to 10 million people at home, like that guy's not worth it and it's out of hand all of a sudden. Like the same market forces that you were okay with getting your 6 or $7 million contract all of a sudden are not okay with that 19, 20, 22-year-old kid that's going to go and get his money. So that was a little bit interesting. I think there is something to be said about like – how much player movement we've seen right now. Mm -hmm. But I think that's going to settle down. And I think you're going to see some of these contracts become a little bit more in line because what happened is 
there was this dam that was between players and their ability to sell themselves and to, to use their sport as a business. And once that dam broke and it was open, like the, the flooding happened. And that's why you saw all this player movement initially in these first couple years of it. And that's why you saw all these huge contracts because nobody really knows what NIL is. Nobody really knows where the market is. Mm-hmm. But in order to find a true price in a market, you have to allow price discovery, which is exactly what we're seeing right now. So let's just say that pit receiver that's going to USC now is worth $3 million or whatever. Let's say he kind of fizzles and it doesn't work out. You think that guy that paid him $3 million or that group of people, whoever it was, that paid him $3 million are going to be willing to do that again without realizing that, hey, maybe this is a little bit riskier than we thought. It's like when the dot-com bubble happened. Like before that, everyone was just throwing money at every dot-com business because it was all working out until it doesn't. And then people are able to more properly evaluate the risk in the NIL and giving these players that money and to be able to decide like, okay, maybe that's a little bit too much and we're not willing to jump on this player because... By and large, when you're 19, 20, 21 years old, there is a lot of risk in your performance and how you're seen as a brand from year to year based on how you play on the field. No question. I mean, this is your I mean, the other I think interesting part is I'm always trying to check myself because I want the players to get paid and I want them to see as much money as possible that their mm-hmm. value dictates. Like if someone I always say as an NFL player, it was the team's job to try to get me for cheaper than what my true value is and it's my job Mm -hmm. to try to get you to overpay for what i know my talent actually is Mm -hmm. right and some people in the nfl do that a lot better than others and they do a really good job at it um shout out to kirk cousins (laughs) as a college player in the pro i mean in the pros it's you know you lock into certain contracts i don't know exactly what the transfer rules are now so i could see maybe some you know, people feeling like, yeah, but you could just go one place for one year and then up and transfer again. And I don't again, I don't know what the colleges allow like coaches do. Exactly. Like, I could go there for a couple years at Bowling Green and do really well and then go get <gasps> a bigger job for more money. Oh, we shouldn't allow that. <laughs> we must put some regulation on this. This is outrageous. You're destroying the things that I love, which is free labor and an inability for them to choose a market that suits their needs. Like no, this is terrible. Let's not do that. Well, then why do we let the coaches do that? Why do we let administrators do that? Like, why are these rules different for the players that don't have a voice because they're younger than everybody else? Like, they're still adults. They're still working for the university, making hundreds of millions of dollars. And the NIL is a way to figure out without having to pay them just uniformly, which is stupid. Everybody that always like, oh, let's pay the players. I'm like, no, that's stupid because your backup punter, your punter, punter, your starting punter, your starting left tackle is probably worth not that much. Yep. Let's just be honest. But if you're a Heisman winning quarterback, you're probably worth a heck of a lot more to that university. And so why not allow the market to determine that rather than saying, you know, every player on this university campus gets 50000 a year. It doesn't matter if you're a water polo player or a shot putter or if you're the Heisman winning quarterback, you all get 50000 Like that's stupid and unfair as well. Yep. Like this is America. Let's let the market decide. But I think one of the things that is going to be good that's going to come out of NIL, first of all, I actually think it's going to level the playing field a little bit right now because the teams so far like Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Mm -hmm. they've kind of figured out all the little like loopholes in the college rules before NIL to be able to stockpile recruits, keep them around. And then they're looking at their roster and they've got like, in their three deep, they've got five-star players that are just sitting there hoping that they get an opportunity someday. But with NIL, if you get to one of these big schools that has kind of been hoarding all the great talent, and maybe they were a little bit misleading during the recruiting, and you get there, and all of a sudden they've put you at a position you're not at, and you feel like maybe Mm -hmm. uh, this is not where I'm best suited to be, and then all of a sudden you've got an offer to go play somewhere else that you're going to be able to make a big impact at maybe a smaller school or in some of the other conferences that maybe haven't been as successful, it gives you an opportunity to go leave and it gives you some incentive to leave. And I think that's going to be a a big leveling of the playing field. Obviously, it's never going to be completely level unless they enact some type of a draft or some type of a salary cap, which is actually something that you brought up yesterday that I would love for you to be able to expand on. Yeah, I think there there will eventually be a draft because while it stands like, yes, there's been certain schools that are better at recruiting than others because 
it, it there's a money trail to freaking everything, man. And I actually think them paying the players is going to enable them to get bigger TV contracts because when there's money, the stakes are higher. It is like pro ball. It does make me want to go watch college football more because it's not just some kids playing and feel amateur. It's like, nope, this guy's getting paid this much. I want to tune in to see how good he is or isn't. I want to see if Tom Brady can actually call a game because he's getting more money than any other broadcaster ever. That's going to be the same sentiment around college. So I think it's going to enable them to make more money. And then I also think that there's going to be scenarios or places that eventually turn into these pockets that the players are going to want to go to because the things that mattered before being paid won't matter as much now. Yeah, Alabama got all the recruits because Alabama and Georgia and a lot of the SEC, but those two schools and maybe Clemson specifically have such a direct pipeline to playing professional football and getting paid that now if there's opportunities to be paid like a professional football player and you can maybe live on the beach and you get more opportunities for marketing dollars even outside of what you're getting in just your quote-unquote let's call it on-field nil money like actual marketability from big brands of commercials in certain pockets and markets just like there is in the nfl there's going to be big time players that are gravitating towards that and then when you get those players going to be other players that want to play for them so i think the things that players are considering when they're choosing their places is now going to change. And that's going to have to enact some sort of way to say, okay, we're paying guys. Eventually here's a cap because some places have more money than others. And eventually here is how we spread the wealth because who's going to want to watch PAC 10 football or PAC 12 football. If all the top players at USC and they're just beating the brakes off of everybody all year because other teams can't afford it and other guys and, and they become the pipeline that everyone goes to. Let's throw some things against the wall that we think players use to determine where they're going to go for college, right? One is, all right, where, how great are these coaches, right? Okay, coaches, facilities, mm-hmm. where the college is located, maybe like academic standings of the university, like maybe social life. Pretty far down. I think all of those things are really important and why, okay, history of the program too, Um Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of concentrated a lot of the great talent so far at the at the programs that we mentioned, right? Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, like those are the teams that have had a lot of success lately. But as soon as you throw money into it, like there's money all across college football. And when that becomes a big determining factor, I think you're going to see more teams, more college programs that are going to have a big opportunity to get some of these big time recruits. Because if I'm a big time recruit at, uh, you know, a school in the South and Alabama's offered me, they only have so much money to be able to pay all these dudes. And eventually it's going to dry up. And me as a player, I'm going to consider those things that we mentioned, but I'm also going to say, well, you know what? They don't have any money left for me. So I'm maybe going to go somewhere else in the big 12. I'm going to go somewhere else in the big 10. And I think that's going to much more evenly distribute the talent. Look at what uh, paying players has done in the NFL, right? Uh, what do we always say in free agency? There's a reason Hawk came to the uh, Browns for his daddy or his uncle, Uncle Ray, is because they offered him the most money. Now, once he got there, he fell in love with the team and the city. But if somebody else across the country would have paid him more money, he would have gone there. And that's why there's so much parity in the NFL is because there's a salary cap and there's parity in how they play. So I don't think there'll ever be a draft. I hope there's never a draft because I still think that players should always be able to pick what school they go to. And honestly, the NFL draft, all pro sports drafts are completely the opposite of capitalism. Like, hey, I want to be a football player or, hey, I want to be a professional plumber. Okay, all the plumbers are going to get together and we're going to go one by one and decide where you have to go work. Okay, I don't like that idea. And I don't like the idea of a rookie wage scale. Like, <laughs> just pay them what they're worth. Just let the market decide. But so I think that there won't ever be a college draft. But I like the idea of maybe some type of NIL salary cap or revenue sharing. So there is a little bit more parity because like you mentioned, I think parity is good for college football. That's why the NFL is so popular. But one thing the NIL will do that it has done already, as we've seen, it's made college football relevant in the time of the year that nobody has talked about college football recently. Yeah. We've spent so much time talking about NIL and college football on this podcast, and we're not even a college football podcast. You listen to the national 
uh, radio shows, sports talk shows, they're talking a lot about college football. They're talking about the players that are leaving and where they're going. And that's going to open up huge markets and huge revenue streams and huge amounts of interest for college football in areas of the country that it never had before. Yeah, you're, you're spot on, man. Somebody told me that their fear of the NIL stuff is that now guys are going to do con- get contracts. And now it's going to be like pro football and they'll get a chance to get cut. And I had to stop them and I say, I'm like, oh, yeah, we hate pro football. That's the worst. I'm like, what you don't realize is college football players have been getting cut for decades. <laughs> like it's and it's not even like, a, oh, it, oh, it's just kind of no. They're literally a player comes in. They don't think they're as good. And the coaches do whatever they can to take their scholarship. You've seen it a million times. I've seen it. a million. I had to prevent one of my nephews from getting cut because. They wanted to bring in a new D-Tech, and they made up some BS story about him not gaining enough weight. And I literally had to write Mm. a very scathing letter and threaten them to say, like, oh, okay, you must think that this family doesn't know how this works or Mm. that we're new or some naive family that you could just pull this bullshit on. Try it and see what happens. And then we never heard a problem ever again. I think one thing people don't understand is that scholarships are one-year contracts. Yes. Like when you sign your scholarship, it's for one year and then they renew it at the end of every year. Now, most teams don't like to not renew it because if they have an Andrew Hawkins as their uncle or their father, like that becomes a big problem if it gets out into the media because what are college coaches always telling you when you're being recruited? Hey, we'd like to offer you an opportunity to get a degree at this school, which is implying that it's a four-plus year scholarship. But one way that they get guys out of there, right, is – well, such and such, uh, Andrew Hawkins has been kicked off the team uh, for violation of team rules. What was that? Yeah, I was late. Well, he was late to a meeting with his tutor in January, <laughs> which technically yeah. being late is and a we good just rules. Got Meanwhile, they've got guys that are in jail that are yeah. getting suspended for like the opening exhibition game against <laughs> right. the, the Lost Sisters of the Blind. And so there's a lot of ways that they can like <laughs> kick guys off the team, which really means they're pulling their scholarship or they can get guys to graduate early. Like, Oh, Hey, I see that uh, you haven't got a whole lot of playing time. And, you know, going into year four, we would really love you to take 26 hours this semester so that you can graduate because we're not sure there's going to be a scholarship for you next year. So players have been getting cut for a long time. That doesn't change it. And the more <laughs> like the pro game that it is, Honestly, that's what's better for fans. Look how popular the NFL is. We just talked about Tom Brady getting $400 gazillion just to go and talk about football on Sundays. That's because everybody loves the NFL because of the parody, because it's a year-round drama fest where people just can't consume enough of the knowledge of where players are moving and what's happening and what's happening to my favorite team. Like That's what college football is trying to become. Mm -hmm. And it's just figuring out what the rules of the game are going to be now that the NIL gate has opened up. The whole point of, of it all is to get your value, do your job, and make your money. All right, we've talked about the college guys. Eventually, they will be rookies. So let's take a quick pause. When we come back, we're going to talk about if the vets in the NFL should be mentoring them when they get there. All right, we're back. Now let's get into it. It was a very, very, very spirited debate all over sports media, NFL media social media when Ryan Tannehill came out and said it was not his job to mentor an incoming rookie quarterback Malik Willis uh the quote that we have down is we're competing against each other we're watching the same tape we're doing the same drills Tannehill said I don't think it's my job to mentor him but if he learns from me along the way then that's a great thing now I seen that and I'm like yeah that's pretty spot on I'm looking at all the comments around players, former players, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, saying it is his job to mentor him, Joe. And I'm not going to lie. I felt like I was in the twilight zone a little bit. I'm going to give you first crack at this. Give me your thoughts on Tannehill coming out and saying it is not his job to mentor an incoming rookie. So Kurt Warner was the first one that came out and his comments were something along the lines of, hey, it is your job, and if you won't mentor him, here's my number. Call me, Malik. I'll be happy to mentor you. Okay, that's great, Kurt. Well, if you do a great job mentoring Malik Willis, he's not going to come and take your job on Sunday morning on NFL Network doing the pregame shows. Like, 
That's exactly what Ryan Tannehill would be doing if he does a great job. Oh, yeah, that would have went yeah. viral. Like I should have tweeted Kurt and said, "Oh, great, glad you feel that way, Kurt. I would love to have your seat on NFL Sunday mornings. What time are we doing our <laughs> weekly mentorship me. program?" <laughs> <laughs> I love it because mentoring the players that are at your position that are younger than you is purely a personal decision. And largely it's probably going to be based on the likelihood of you taking my job and me not being on this team anymore. So to all the players that are saying, well, don't you want to mentor the guys around you so that your team is better? Well, here's what you didn't think about. If Tannehill does a great job mentoring Malik Willis, Malik Willis is going to take Ryan Tannehill's job. And do you think <laughs> they're going to pay Ryan Tannehill tens of millions of dollars to be Malik Willis's backup? No. And then when they cut Ryan Tannehill, he did such a great job mentoring to make his team better that it's not his team anymore. There's not a job in the world where that makes it. Now, you could be a good guy. I'm not saying Malik comes in, and I like Malik Willis. Don't be a jerk. Don't, Don't be, be a an jerk. asshole. Don't be a, which I've, I like him too. I've had guys like that too where you come in and they go above and beyond to try to set you up for failure because they are so worried about them taking their job. Mm, that's don't dirty. do that. Don't do Absolutely. That. But I don't like that. I don't ever fault them for not, again, setting me up for all the success to come in and take their their role. That's my job to do. It's my job to come in there mm -hmm. and take it. That's, that's how the NFL mm -hmm. works. You have to fend off the guys coming for your spot, and you also got to be chasing the guys ahead of you, right? So for Tannehill, it makes absolute mm -hmm. sense for him to feel like, no, I'm not giving this dude the keys to my damn house. Like, what? That doesn't make sense. Like, imagine me bringing <laughs> on um, Taylor Lewan every yeah. week and say, hey, Joe, we're going to call this busting mm -hmm. with the hawk, and um, I'm going to need you to, to, to tell Taylor Lewan what I'm like, what I'm like yeah. on the air. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't make any sense at all. There's a few positions on the football field that I would actually expect somebody not to mentor the younger player that's at their position. Quarterback is one of them because there's only one quarterback that plays on Sundays. Punter is another one, long snapper and kicker because you only usually keep one of those guys in the roster. And when I was in Cleveland, the Browns brought in some kickers to compete with Phil Dawson. And this question was kind of posed to him. And I think he was probably pretty diplomatic talking about it in the media, but his comments were the same as like Ryan Daniels. Like, it's not my job to teach this guy enough to take my job so that I'm on the street. Like, I, I kind of like my job too. I'm going to help him in any way I can, but I'm not going to mentor him. Like I'm not going to be a jerk, but I'm not going to go out of my way to be like, Oh, by the way, you change this tiny little thing and you'll never miss a kick again. And I've uh, been pretty much <laughs> within a couple of weeks, I'm going to be on the street telling my family, well, I didn't really love you guys that much because I willingly gave my job up to somebody else because I told him exactly what he needed to beat me out of my job. So yep. if you're a player, okay, let's just assume Kurt Warner is in Arizona and they draft a younger quarterback. Kurt has already had enough of a career and he's old enough where if he teaches and does a great job mentoring that guy and that guy takes his job, he's okay with it. He's comfortable riding off into the sunset and going and doing something else. So in that situation, it's very easy for him to say, yeah, I would love to mentor him because I get enormous personal satisfaction mentoring this young player. It's something that I've, I've always wanted to do. And you know what? I think I can mentor him, but I could probably hold him off for a couple more years, which is more than enough time for me to to, to develop him, to take my job, and then for me to move on to something else. And when I was a left tackle in Cleveland, I loved mentoring all the young linemen. One, I knew that I was better than them, and they weren't going to take my job, so I didn't have to worry <laughs> about that. So it was easy for me to give them all the notes that I had and to try to help them in any way I could. But I also knew, too, like there's five line positions. If for some reason we drafted a left tackle who was just – outstanding like they could probably just move me to right tackle or move me to guard like there's other roles for me to play within that team that right. helping them helps the bigger picture which is the team but helping a quarterback that's behind you to take your job doesn't help your team because as soon as he takes your job it's not your team anymore the backup and the starter they don't make the same <laughs> like there is no, no there's no win-win like okay i'm trying to think of the scenarios where you would mentor and to your point about kurt yeah it makes sense for him to mentor. He was like 38. He had lived an entire life even before he got to the NFL. He's got a movie about him. He was already on house money. For me, it's either, if you want me to mentor a guy, A, put it in my contract, make it a, a literal duty that I'm being paid for, which is impossible. Or the next <laughs> point to your point is I'm, I'm one foot out the door anyway. I never had a problem yeah. giving guys the keys because I felt mm -hmm. so confident in my ability. Nobody could do what I could do. So it didn't mm -hmm. matter. Even up until we got Taylor Gabriel, 
I think in 2014. And I showed him everything. And you would argue he's very similar to me. But to your point, I'm like, I know way too much. Like there's nothing, I can't even teach you as much as I know because most of my (laughs) stuff comes from experience. So I could show you these things, but you're not going to know everything just because I am who I am. Not, And I was also, I didn't care. Like it was like, to your point, whether I played a year or five or two, it didn't matter at that point. I had my feel, you know? The other point is if you mentor is if you don't want to be where you're at, I can see you mentoring a guy to take the position because you don't want to play there. You want to go to another city. (laughs) Outside of that, it it makes zero sense to me. I am Team Tannehill on this 1,000%. I would love to talk to Kurt Warner. Let's just assume in his first year in the NFL, he played well, but he didn't win a Super Bowl, okay? If that's the scenario, because that's kind of the scenario that Ryan Tannehill is in, like, Everybody's saying, well, you know what? He's played well. He's exceeded expectations, but we're not sure he's the guy that can play at a Patrick Mahomes level and take us to the Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl because that's kind of what's happening, especially Mm -hmm. in the AFC. Teams are realizing pretty quickly, like you either have a superstar quarterback or you don't have a chance to win the Super Bowl unless everything just is going exactly right. You have zero injuries and everything's perfect and you've got an unbelievable defense. Uh, One of the all-time greatest, like 85 Bears or 2,000 Ravens, and you've got this unbelievable running game. Then you can win the Super Bowl with a good quarterback like Ryan Tannehill. So clearly there's interest from that organization in upgrading. So let's assume that was the case with Kurt Warner. You think he's going to be mentoring the guy that potentially is there to take his job like you don't draft a quarterback in the third round to just carry the clipboard for 10 years like you're drafting him to try to develop him to take that guy's job and and on top of that this is yes it's a team sport but it's the professional like option of football it's all professional now but this is like it's a job your job is to make as much money as possible in your career period like yes I, I get that everyone thinks it's, oh, man, what are you doing for the team? And, yes, I want team success if I have individual. I want my individual success to contribute to the team's success, period. That's what every professional football player thinks. And if you think anything else, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. It's about am I doing well myself enough to get paid as much money as possible? And hopefully in doing that, it makes our team better. Simple as that. Because it's the reason why Joe wanted to stay in Cleveland forever. Not because he thought, man, this is the year we're going to win the Super Bowl. He could see me out there at five foot six playing the X receiver. He's not dumb. I was right beside him. But he knew that he himself is as good as it could possibly can get. And he knew that as long as he was playing his game, one thing the Browns never had to worry about was a left tackle. Right? That's why he didn't want to go to Denver because he wanted to turn it around there. If it was just about team success, you would have been out of there way earlier in your career. Individual success, helping the team goal. But if you mentor the guy that's behind you and it's a one-man position, that's it. You cannot have individual input (laughs) in the team goal because that individual will be sitting on the couch watching from home. All right. I think that does it for this episode of the Tom and Hawk football show. I feel really good about it, Joe. Yeah, so do I. And I think we're going to take a little bit of a break for a while, but we will be back soon. So make sure to follow us on Amazon Music or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss anything. Oh, man, I'm going to miss you, Joe. Any final thoughts? Mm, I'm going to miss you, too. I think I'm just going to show up at your door, maybe a little ding-dong ditch out in L.A., but then we can hang out and maybe have a couple good meals together, buddy. You keep your ding-dong off my door. Joe, take us out. (laughs) Joe, hawk yourself.